This is Jim Wallace talking about the soul of the nation. What is an evangelical is a question now at stake on a global level. Recently at Wheaton College, a historic evangelical site, 50 fairly diverse evangelical leaders met to pray and discern together about the future of evangelicalism in the United States. Now, when Fox News, Breitbart, and CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, launched a coordinated attack on that meeting and called it Trump bashing, featuring the Trump evangelical advisors to the president, you knew the meeting had hit a nerve. I was there. The stated purpose of the gathering at Wheaton with people across the political spectrum were, according to the co-chairs of the event, who I might say happened to be evangelicals of color, here's what they said. We have to have an honest dialogue about the current state of American evangelicalism and to discuss the movement's future, including a reaffirmation of our shared commitment to the greatest commandment to love God and our neighbors, Matthew 22, 36, 40, even quoting scripture, as evangelicals always do, and our belief in the dignity of all people as created in the image of God. Then they said, the group also repented for areas in which evangelicals have not been faithful to the biblical teaching and examined how the public witness of American evangelicalism has and has not reflected the life and teachings of of Jesus. Well, that's all it took to set off the right-wing attack from Breitbart, Fox News, and the CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network. Now, many of us who call ourselves evangelicals are dealing with three big things. Number one, how do we deal with the absolute astonishment of evangelicals around the world about what is happening in America? with white evangelical support for a man like Donald Trump. People are just incredulous. They're astonished. All over the world, I hear that all the time. Two, how do we deal with the deep and painful racial division and sense of betrayal from evangelicals of color that Trump's use of racial bigotry was not and is not a deal-breaker for a majority of white evangelicals? And three, why has Trump received such strident and vocal support from certain white evangelical leaders that goes far beyond pragmatic policy agreements, but has descended to unfettered and uncritical adulation for a man whose personal and public life has been consistently, unapologetically, morally corrupt? Does such blatant hypocrisy in support of a man whose beliefs and behavior have been consistently antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ, risk losing a whole generation of young people for Christian faith? The best word to describe the environment at the Wheaton event wasn't bashing. Rather, it was a deep embarrassment. Embarrassment and deep concern about the future of evangelical faith. My reflection on being at the Wheaton Gathering and the reaction to it by the Trump evangelicals and their far-right media allies is that the problem was not the political nature of the event, 
As they accused, the event did not have a political, but rather a hopeful and even reconciling tone. Rather, the deeply concerning problem was and is precisely the political, not the religious character, of the religious rights attack and their total identification with Donald Trump. History. History is very important to understand here, and very few people do, even many of those who were at the Wheaton meeting, and certainly those in the media who lack religious literacy and too often, indeed, are hostile to religion. This was never a theological debate. It was a political takeover, and it worked. Let me share some of the history that is crucial to understand. Now, I know history will take a few minutes, but I really want to invite you to listen to what I want to say about how we got to where we are today. In 1971, the movement that became Sojourners was born at an evangelical seminary, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago. We preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we said was transforming both personally and socially, a holistic message aimed to change our lives and the world. We were very excited about it. In 1973, two years later, I worked with Evangelicals for Social Action in a gathering that Ron Sider convened again in Chicago, which produced a document called the Chicago Declaration of Evangelical Social Concern. Let me say it again. The Chicago Declaration of Evangelical Social Concern. It says, in part, we acknowledge that God requires love but we have not demonstrated the love of God to those suffering social abuses. We acknowledge that God requires justice, but we have not proclaimed or demonstrated justice to an unjust American society. Now listen to this next paragraph written in 1973 and ask yourself if it sounds like evangelicals today. It says this, Although the Lord calls us to defend social and economic rights of the poor and the oppressed, we have mostly remained silent. We deplore the historic involvement of the church in America with racism and the conspicuous responsibility of the evangelical community for perpetuating the personal attitudes and institutional structures that have divided the body of Christ along color lines. Further, we have failed to condemn the exploitation of racism at home and abroad by our economic system. Evangelical said this in 1973. We call our fellow evangelical Christians to demonstrate repentance in a Christian discipleship that confronts the social and political injustice of our nation. It goes on to say we must challenge the misplaced trust of the nation in economic and military might. It goes on to say we must resist the temptation to make the nation and its institutions objects of near religious loyalty. Does that sound contemporary? This document in 1973 acknowledged that we have encouraged men to prideful domination over women. 
It says at the end, we endorse no political ideology or party, but make this declaration with the biblical hope that Christ is coming to consummate the kingdom of God, and we accept his claim on our lives and the total discipleship that that means. That was 45 years ago. Reading that declaration at the Wheaton gathering, for me, was heartbreaking. Realizing how far in the wrong direction evangelicalism has now gone, so diminished and so distorted. In my tradition, we would call that spiritual backsliding. Backsliding. Read the declaration, all of it, and see how much we have gone backwards. You can find it in my column this week at sojo.net. When you read the Chicago Declaration, also take a look at the signers, which were very significant. Many of us were called young evangelicals, including black evangelicals, including some of the first evangelical feminists, and including some of the established evangelicals of that time, all of whom were with us in making this statement. And at the time, the Chicago Declaration gained great attention in the evangelical world, schools, seminaries. It was a big news story. And until 1980, we were called the young evangelicals in a new evangelical movement. For a whole decade, that's how we were described. So what happened? Politics happened. A political assault and takeover was successfully executed by the Republican right wing, and the religious right was born in 1980. White evangelicals in particular were targeted by a far-right movement steeped in racism and were deliberately politicized. It is now painfully clear that the evangelical world was strategically and politically co-opted, not by more conservative evangelical leaders, but by political operatives from the Republican Party who saw a real opportunity to take over the evangelical world by making particular appeals to conservative social issues, as they called them. This is not hyperbolic rhetoric. Those right-wing political operatives, like Richard Vigory, Paul Weirich, Kevin Phillips, and Terry Dolan, would later say as much about what they did and how they did it. They approached fundamentalist leaders like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson and offered to make them household names if they would give them their mailing lists. Richard Vigory, now a cordial dialogue partner of mine and an ally on ending capital punishment, was the direct mail guru of his day. Richard and his fellow Republican activists created new organizations like the Moral Majority with Falwell and Robertson as the public figures with them, the political operatives, behind the scenes. The politicization of white evangelicals has now culminated in their unbelievable, uncritical support for a man like Donald Trump. I want to make clear, historically, this was never a theological debate. It was a political takeover, and it worked. While Sojourners was referenced as young evangelicals in the 1970s, by 1980 we were called an alternative to the religious right. And those on the right have called us 
leftists ever since. I have always resisted being called the religious left. Sojourners care so deeply about poverty and racism and war because of the Bible. Progressive evangelicals, as some of us are now called, have regularly challenged the Democrats' extreme positions on abortion, have affirmed covenantal sexuality, and have consistently pushed Democrats to go much deeper on both racism and poverty, which is why so many of us honestly feel politically homeless. Now already the far right is targeting young evangelicals of color, some of whom were the co-chairs of the Wheaton meeting, as being political, on the left, Democrats and former Obama supporters. They continue to try to politicize us, despite the historical fact that it is they and their far-right allies who have politicized the evangelicals. And now they blame others for being political. Evangelical scholar and activist Lydia Bean told the Wheaton meeting last week that the far-right doesn't even need religious figures anymore to reach their evangelical targets, as Fox News has captured the white evangelical audience and can reach them directly now. Even evangelical megachurch pastors wearily tell me I have my people for about two hours a week if I'm lucky, but Fox News has them 24-7, and I can't compete with that. Is MSNBC partisan too? Of course, but they and other cable and mainstream outlets don't represent religious people and often even neglect or disrespect them. The so-called liberal media actually likes to cover the religious right and Trump evangelicals because of the way it paints Christianity as extreme, which confirms existing biases. It's time for the evangel to turn white evangelicalism in America upside down. With all due respect, I must also say that I believe the established evangelical leaders who signed the Chicago Declaration with us young evangelicals so long ago would have spoken out against the rise of the religious right as not truly evangelical, and I believe certainly would have stood up against the candidacy and the presidency of Donald Trump, but very few of their establishment evangelical successors have done so. They have remained silent. What we are now engaged in is spiritual warfare as described in our scriptures. We don't finally put our trust in politics, but in God, who will win with the long arc of the universe that bends toward justice, as Dr. King reminded us. I only made one comment at the end of the Wheaton meeting when I said this. I've been listening, as I hope you all have been too. The question this meeting is asking about the future of evangelicalism has been answered by the voices of color and women in this room. They are pointing us to the evangel, the good news Jesus said he would bring to the poor in his opening statement in Luke chapter 4. I've been anointed to bring good news to the poor, Jesus said, and the word for good news there is evangel. Evangel. That's our future. Let's listen. 
As one of the white evangelical leaders in the Wheaton meeting had said to me before, American evangelicalism is destroying the evangel, the good news of Jesus. I believe it's time for the evangel to turn white evangelicalism in America upside down. This is Jim Wallace for The Soul of the Nation.